welcome Hoosier fans to this week's edition of Assembly Call Radio, where each week we discuss the most interesting topics in the world of Indiana basketball. This is our 190th edition of Assembly Call Radio, and it is our 645th episode overall of the Assembly Call, recorded on the evening of Thursday, October 15th, 2020. I'm your host, Jared Morris. And let's begin this edition of the Assembly Call how we begin every edition of the Assembly Call, and that is with our Hoosier Proud Banner Moment. And Indiana is the national champion. When it comes down, Indiana will be champion. Smart takes the shot. The Hoosiers have won the national championship. This week's Banner Moment occurred on Tuesday when IU's players and coaches met with the media. Friend of the show and legendary sports writer Rick Bozich asked Trace Jackson Davis why Archie Miller was so bullish on this year's group, and Trace's answer provided a great argument for why we as fans should share Archie's excitement about what this group can become. And it comes down to one word, culture. Here was Trace's response, audio courtesy of Inside the Hall. Everyone from down to the freshmen all the way up to the seniors, um, everyone likes each other. Uh, That's a big part. Um, We all work hard and we hold each other accountable every day. Um, like last year, I remember there were times where Saturdays we could open and shoot. Um, if you weren't in the gym, um, it was like common. Then this year, if you're not in the gym on Saturday, um, it's weird. So like, it's just a different vibe this year. It's like everyone's ready to go, especially with an unfinished season last year. You know, ever since Archie Miller was hired to replace Tom Crean, we've talked about how his most important job is changing a culture that had fallen flat. Well, it's been a little slow going. Baby steps have been taken each season, but the reality is that culture is about people, and a complete culture overhaul was probably never going to be possible without a complete personnel overhaul. Is Archie's fourth year the year when, finally, the Indiana basketball culture is ready to take two full steps forward? When it gets back to being the hard-nosed, together, basketball-loving, obsessed-with-winning culture that we as IU fans expect? Well, Talk is cheap in the offseason, so the jury is out until the games start. But Trace's comments give us a hint that maybe, just maybe, this will finally be the year. And the bottom line is that given the results Archie has turned in during years one through three, it sure better be. All right, now let me introduce my esteemed co-host for this week's show. First off, to my left. He remembers the days when a movie cost a dollar. Heaven help you if you ever decide to pop your collar. Play hard, but remember, fake hustle is a crime. He's the coach and it's time so time. Talking about practice? Coach, it's time Sony time. What's on your mind? Practice. <laughs> practice is on my mind. The guys were in the gym, and they were practicing, and they were doing drills, and they were going up and down the court. They were installing offense, installing defense, and uh, that's what we've waited uh, a long time since that uh, – you know, crazy time in March where it all ended too soon and, and we didn't get a chance to continue the Big Ten tournament and NCAA tournament. So it, it's nice to know the guys are practicing. It was really nice to see them uh, on media day. I agree with you. You know, everyone's media day is positive across the country. Uh, every team's, uh, you know, gotten bigger, stronger, and worked out well, and, and all the coaches like their teams right now. And it, it has to be uh, carried over to, to, to the games and, and results. And that's ultimately – uh, what we need to see, we need to get those games going so we can talk about those results. But there's a lot of we um, and not me attitude in that media day, as you mentioned. And it just seems that um, 
as a coach, you always teach culture and you always team a, a good team togetherness, but sometimes it just happens, uh, and it happens because of those personnel. And so if that is true and carries over throughout the season, the ups and downs and the adverse moments, then I think we have something to look forward to, and I think we do uh, regardless uh, with this roster. Absolutely. All righty. And to my right. Analyzing players, finding every wrinkle. He hasn't ever hosted, never lifted a finger. He's got all the well, let me quickly add just one thing about this. Dude just interrupted his own jingle. Oh, no, I'm sorry. Ryan is not here. But Matt Patricia, uh, what is your rant on the last week in IU Sports? Don't insult me. I am not that incompetent. Oh, I'm Lord, sorry. Just the beard and the hat. I just, yeah, sorry. I got you. I, but but I, it's not backwards, so it doesn't work. With well, that was when you came on here. That's what I thought about. Yeah, I don't have a pen in my ear or... Anyway, uh, I thought, obviously, from, from media, there were some really interesting things to come out. I love the idea of them playing smaller and faster, and that's something we've kind of asked IU to do for a while. Uh, they had they played started two bigs last year, and I think we'll get some of that this year, but I think that the idea of maybe putting Christian Lander in there and having some, you know, running some pick and roll and, and maybe having Race Thompson or Jerome Hunter play the four and creating a more up-tempo offense – that can also guard at all five positions is, is a really interesting move for this roster. And I think it's the right one. And I, and I think that while that may not be the starting lineup and it may not be the lineup that uh, a, li- a smaller lineup may not be the lineup they go to the most, being able to break out and run a little bit at points in the game, especially in the big 10 and get some cheap points when those are harder to get in the big 10 um, is I think the right move. And, and I think that will benefit IU too. And, this is a team with athletes, and there are there are there are athletes on this roster. If they can get out and run and get some cheap baskets, I think it's gonna gonna really benefit. Especially with the way a guy like Trace runs the floor, you get the ball up and down, you can get some easy buckets with it. Yeah. All right. Well, there is a lot to talk about this week, which is a nice little change. <laughs> After a couple months where it didn't feel like there was a whole lot of news, I would like to thank the, the college basketball gods for the show that I'm coming back to, giving us so much to talk about. Uh, we got big rule changes in college hoops. The captains were announced literally moments before we went live. And then, of course, we've got Media Day to react to your questions. So this is going to be a jam-packed show. We're very glad that you're here with us. Uh, all that coming this week on Assembly Call Radio. Before we get to that, just a quick reminder, go to homefieldapparel.com, support our friends there. You can always use your promo code ASSEMBLY20 uh, to get 20% off your entire order. Uh, this weekend is another one of their big new Saturdays, I believe, from the little hints that they've been putting out there that it's Louisville gear that they're going to be putting out. So, you know, we don't really support Louisville, but if you're maybe going to troll a Kentucky fan, uh, then it's okay to get Louisville gear, and certainly it's okay to do it at homefieldapparel.com, uh, where you should go. Coach, have you made any mega purchases lately we know you're you have an itchy trigger um, finger on their website i have seven items in the cart uh and i keep adding every saturday and and once i transfer a balance from savings uh yes uh, i'm gonna be uh buying is mrs tonsoni gonna take away your credit card and just not allow no uh, uh, my mom's actually gonna reimburse me for my birthday so uh, oh. it's gonna be birthday christmas gifts from mom so very nice I'm, i feel pretty good about that hey you know christmas is coming up shop early at home field apparel uh and again use that promo code assembly 20 it's always 20 percent off all right guys let's dive into the news because there's a ton of it and let's start with the news that broke right before we went live the captain's Basically, all the upperclassmen, your senior class, your junior class, they are all captains. Race Thompson, Al Durham, Rob Finnessy, Joey Brunk, 
you know, all four guys seem like good choices as captains. I do just want to get your guys' thoughts on having so many captains instead of just having the seniors, Al and Joey, you know, pulling Rob and Race in there too. Coach, what does that suggest to you about what Archie Miller's strategy is for, for choosing these captains? Well, I was surprised that there's four. Sometimes you could have too many um, people in, in leadership roles. But more than that, once I sat back and thought about it a little bit, I think that speaks to the volume of, of what you said uh, in the banner moment and, and the whole you know, kind of media day atmosphere of where they're in on Saturdays. This team seems together. Uh, and, and when you acknowledge your seniors and juniors for being here and creating that culture and learning uh, with uh, the, the captain, position I think that just speaks volumes for that this team is going to be 11 guys fighting in practice fighting on the court to try to win as many games as possible at least that's the hope that I have uh, from my vantage point and, and I think all those guys are, are deserving uh, you know I think really for for a guy like um, you have the seniors obviously who've really worked hard but for race uh, again a guy that's not a big uh, offensive person um that, that speaks for how hard he plays. And Rob being the point guard, you know, he's been up and down with injuries. And and I think that pushes him a little bit, too, to, to get with the, the program as much as he possibly can. I'm not saying he wasn't, but really to up his play and up his mental toughness to a point of, of strong leadership. So it can work in both ways. It could be good leadership for the team and also put pressure on these guys to make sure they're doing things the right way as well. And as Joel mentioned in the chat, you know, that might have been voted on by the players, too. I think that's been done in the past. Right. Although... In my experience, coaches usually don't let guys become captains who they don't want to become captains. Even or they strongly the encourage, they strongly yeah. encourage uh -huh. who it should be, and it winds up going there. Yes, um, the, the Al, Matt, Al, Matt Al was interesting. Yeah. Al was captain last year, right? I'm not, I'm not completely making that up. He was, he was one of the two captains last yes. year, right? Alan so, Devante, I believe. He, yeah, correctly. it was Alan Devante. Mm -hmm. So he was going to be a captain, no question. You don't stop being a captain. So Al is, is makes sense. Joey, from everything we heard last year was a leader on and off the floor. Uh, regardless of his play on the floor, he was a leader on and off the floor from the second he stepped on campus. You figured as a senior, he was going to be a captain. I was kind of surprised he wasn't one last year, given everything we heard behind the scenes, but he just hadn't been there very long. Race, everything we've heard during the lockdown and everything and, and this summer was how much he was leading off the court with the issues of social racial justice and all of that stuff. We heard all kinds of stuff about how much leadership he was showing and how vocal he'd been and all of that stuff. That doesn't surprise me that he, I know he's not a guy who has contributed very much on the floor over the, over his first couple of years because of injury and all of that stuff, but it doesn't surprise me at all that he got picked. And then Rob is going to be your starting point guard. And typically the starting point guard is one of the captains. And so all of this, it may seem like a lot of guys, but all of it makes sense given the individual situations of each guy and what we've heard about them. So, um, yeah, I, I think that it's it's great. I don't think that, you know, I, I don't think four is too many captains because especially given this team's injury history, uh, there could be guys who aren't on the floor certain days. And, you know, you want to have captains on the floor pretty much at all times. And, and so um, not not surprising to me that, it, that I, I figured they were going to do three. It's not surprising to me that it wound up being four. So especially given who the people are. Al's a returning captain. Joey was a leader last year on and off the floor from the second he stepped on campus. Doesn't surprise me at all. Uh, Rob Finnessy being your starting point guard doesn't surprise me at all. And then Ray Thompson, I think, kind of earned it over the last couple months with who he's been. Uh, so none of that, again, uh, surprises me. The only other thing I will say is those four guys were chosen as captains, all deserving. That's all great. This team's best player is Trace Jackson Davis. And yeah. if Indiana is going to go where it needs to go, 
he's going to have to lead one way or the other. So he's an underclassman. I get not making him a captain, but certainly he's a guy who needs to act and think like a captain. Sure. And just based on some of his comments so far, it, it appears that he is, which is good to see. Um, let's talk about Blue Ribbon, guys. Uh, on the good, uh, they named Trace Jackson Davis a third-team preseason All-American, which I'm seeing more and more of that uh, for Trace, which is nice to see that recognition. Uh, however, the fine folks at Blue Ribbon decided to pick Indiana eighth. Uh, and, you know, look, it, that there is a, a defensible Hell, Blue, Blue way. That, the no, look, th- there's an argument to be made for Indiana at eighth. Like, you could make that argument. You cannot make that argument if you have Rutgers and Minnesota over Indiana. Okay, because as I tweeted earlier this week, I did not get an NCAA tournament canceled and sit through this offseason just to come back and have Indiana finish behind Rutgers and Minnesota. That is not happening. We won't allow it. There's no way. All right? Look, it's fine. Everybody's excited about Rutgers, but Minnesota? They have Marcus Carr. And what, like a transfer or something? Come on. If if we finish below those two, just cancel it all. Cancel everything. It's not happening. So that's all I want to say about that. Do you guys have any thoughts on Blue Ribbon? No, I think, well... You got to look at the strength of the conference too. You know, Andy Katz had us ranked 18th, but seventh in the Big Ten. You know, if you tell me we're the 18th best team in the country, I'm pretty happy with that. So we got to be aware of, you know, last year Michigan and Ohio State were seven and eight, um, and I thought those teams were uh, pretty decent teams. It just was very competitive. Our expectations are being three, four, five at the worst, if if not challenging for the Big Ten championship. Is this roster ready to do that? We'll find out. Um, but if you can guarantee me a, a top five or six seed, um, regardless of place in the Big Ten tournament, I'm taking that uh, right now. And the other thing is I think sometimes uh, we see things a little differently, obviously, with, with our rose-colored glasses. But they also look at um, – uh, all of our guys haven't reached their ceiling yet. There's a whole lot of potential. And I know it's just floating out there yet, and they have to do it on the court. But but our floor is seventh or eighth, in my opinion. Uh, and, and I think if if the improvement is there that we hope and what we believe the players can be, then we're going to challenge to move up. So I don't get I don't get too bothered by Blue Ribbon or Street and Smith or Lindy. Red Ribbon, Green Ribbon. Who cares? Yeah, you know. Um, no, I, I what I will say about that is I think there's a very real scenario where there's nine really good teams in the Big Ten this year. Just looking at the at the rosters and and we so, better be one of the top four or five of them. If, I'm if tired mix, of us being like seventh right. or eighth, but the Big Ten's really good. Like no, no, go. I'm I'm saying you know if if Blue Ribbon's looking at it and sees three games we might lose close and that would drop us down to eight. I think those are games that we might win this year and move and, and yeah. that could be the difference between fourth and eighth. You know, you look how close this conference is. I mean, you might get that a team like Michigan State, you know, doing really well and being far above everyone else, but have the next tier all be within two games. That that could legitimately happen. And I think that that's the the thing that'll be interesting about this year in the Big Ten. I think it's gonna be loaded. Absolutely. Without the the schedules coming out too, the unfair thing is the unbalanced schedule. You know, yeah. if, if if your twofers are, are the four best teams in the league and you only play the bottom feeders once and, and then a team like Minnesota or Rutgers has the opposite, that, that's really not a fair comparison. That's why uh, since I've started Bracketology, the placing in the conference has not meant as much as to me as it has been as a fan. 
um, simply because the the unbalanced uh, you find the winners of the Big Ten and they usually have the easier Big Ten schedules or or, or one of the easier schedules. It, it helps. They're talented. They're good, but they've had some schedule breaks, and and that's Wisconsin and even Michigan State's of the world. Uh, so until we see the schedule, uh, I'm not I'm not too concerned. We just need to be in the top four or five of the Big Ten. We need to compete <laughs> for the Big Ten this year. Like yeah, I, I hear see, everything I you're see. saying. I'm just you know you know who doesn't worry about the schedule ahead of the season Michigan State yeah so let's no I can see us being fifth and being within a game of of the top you know what I mean like it's that yeah. that top tier is going to be very close uh, but yeah the IU needs to win some of the games over the last few years they've lost that have dropped them yeah you know I mean if IU could have made a three last year at, at, in certain games had one reliable shooter they probably win four more games you know it's it's that's how bad it was. And so this team needs to be able to do that. Okay. Um, last topic I want to hit here before we start talking about media days, there's some pretty big rule changes. Um, number one is all winter athletes are going to get an extra year of eligibility. So what that essentially means is everyone in college basketball this year is redshirting. So if Joey Bronk or Al Durham want to come back and play and Indiana will have them, they can come back and play another year. Uh, and as far as I understand it, at least listening to Gary Parish and Matt Lor- Norlander talk about it earlier today on the Ion College Basketball Podcast, if you have two seniors that want to come back, you would essentially get 15 scholarships for next year. Yeah. So, they have to do that. They yeah. have to do that. They so it, it, do it'll that. be interesting to see you know, what happens with that and how that affects recruiting. Um, curious, Ryan, to get your, your quick thoughts on that. It's the right decision, but what yeah. are maybe some of the consequences that we could see? Well, that. I think there's 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 two things here, and one of them is that those people didn't get to finish their last year. You get to finish last year, and so that's part of it. And then you only get you know what is going to be like two thirds of the season this year at, at best. So yeah, those that's the right decision. Um, if Joey and Al want to come back, I mean, some kids you know it's not even about wanting to compete for a championship. Of course, they want to, but some kids you've outgrown college at some point. And, and I think that guys are going to have to make their own decision based on that. If they want to come back and run it back, I think that that'd be great. And you have expanded rosters for a year. Uh, I'm, I'm happy that the NCAA has said that their scholarships essentially won't count towards the overall count. I think that's essentially how they're going to have to treat it is a, those scholarships just don't count towards the overall number. Um, and that's the again the right thing to do to give them that option. And you know you're also going to have guys who opt out of this year for coronavirus concerns, and they should be automatically given an extra year, as most conferences have, have said they're going to do. I'm glad the NCA is on board with that. Um, we'll see what happens as far as I use guys getting another and, and exercising another year. But you know, I, I think it's the right move and it's the right decision uh, for everybody. The question I had now. If all winter athletes get an extra year of eligibility, a guy like Jerome Hunter or uh, Jerome Hunter and Race Thompson, who've missed time for injury, do they just extend their their college eligibility? It looks like that rule would apply as well to them. Do they get the extra year and then a medical redshirt on top of that? Do they get, <laughs> well, do they get the, mean, the Jess Settles pr- program? <laughs> I, I would I would imagine that that gets ruled out because they get the extra yeah. year. But Race Thompson, you know, he's he's a fourth year junior. I mean, he technically could be a senior right now. I mean, he obviously enrolled early, yeah. but you know, he and he hasn't played very much. So, at, essentially, giving him two more years yeah. of college, one after this, and then the next year, 
is great for him because he gets a chance to to you know be around longer and show it off. So that's what it looks to me would mean more than the seniors. It's some of these guys who've been injured and really struggled uh, potentially get to tack on an extra year without having to apply for a medical venture. Coach, any thoughts on this? Yeah, I, I think it's the right thing uh, to do for for the student athlete. It does present some interesting things from a program when you you have fifteen players, sixteen players, depending on how who comes back and uh, the playing time issues. Uh, on a, on a positive, it will give you a chance if you have some guys coming in that you'd like to redshirt. You could redshirt them with the incoming freshmen uh, because you still have your almost same team coming back uh, the next year. So that gives you some flexibility for those programs who wanted to do that. But it, it is tough. You know, there's only one basketball on, on game night sometimes in uh, 15 guys. So it, it's a positive. It's the right thing to do. Coaches are going to have to figure out the right way to to manage uh, adding adding scholarships. But Indiana is in a good spot too because we have open scholarships. We have 11. Yeah. So we add three or four recruits. You're really not too far from a normal season. I think Indiana's poised well to to move forward uh, doing the right things for their student athletes. And we get five years of Trace Jackson Davis. <laughs> <laughs> right, exactly, because he's definitely going to hang around. Why wouldn't he? That's a joke. I mean, that is a joke. <laughs> okay, so, you had to clarify. I know. I just want to make sure. Um there's one more rule change, but let's hit that uh, in the next segment. So uh, coming up, we're going to talk about the other big rule change that happened, the transfer rule, how that will affect things. And then we got to talk about media day. we got extensive comments from Archie Miller, from the players. We'll discuss what stood out the most to us. Stick with us here on the Ascended Book. All right. Marcelo Zuna just took Clayton Kershaw deep, so the Phillips house household is very happy right now. Not a Does, um, not a Kershaw fan, huh? <laughs> just kidding. No, I'm not a Dodgers fan. That's yeah. that's what it is. They're a rival. I mean, you know, I want them to lose. Of course no, I do. No. I'm not one of these people who's like, oh no, I want my division to do well once my team's out. I don't you know, I I, I hope Purdue goes really far in the NCAA tournament because they're a big ten team. No, screw that. You don't cheer for the Big Ten in the NCAA tournament? No. I, mean, I, don't, I don't cheer well, for Purdue, but I like no, the other rivals. I don't. I don't mind if rivals. Okay. But I, I, I want. I, I'm talking about rivals. Like if if Michigan State wins a national title, I don't care. I mean, they'll continue to be us in recruiting if they do that. But you know, it was. I, I do remember the year that I was at the Final Four, and Michigan State was. It was Michigan State and versus uh, Duke and Kentucky versus Wisconsin, and I was like. Michigan State's the only team that wins this national title where I don't feel dirty. And then, of course, Duke waxed Michigan State. Uh, Wisconsin beat Kentucky. I was hoping it would be it would be Wisconsin and Michigan State, and Michigan State would be Wisconsin. But no, it wound up being Wisconsin and Duke. And I was like, I'm not going to be happy either way this goes. And Duke won because officials didn't call fouls in the second half. And why didn't that scholars? Do you have a story about that? I do. I do. Coach K was screaming at the officials at halftime in the tunnel. And then I had a buddy who was there covering it. I had three people text me with that story because they knew I was in the building. And one of them said, they're not going to call a single foul on Duke in the second half. You watch. I witnessed it. It was bad. It's not going to happen. And then the foul disparity in the second half was something egregious. I don't remember what it was, but it was insane. And Frank Kamensky was getting mauled underneath the hoop and, and, nothing the worst and, human being on the planet yeah you were talking yeah. about him at that time when you was said i that. yes 
Uh, you were. <laughs> I want. I want to know the Darth full Vader con- of college basketball teams. That part is true. Yes. Uh, I don't remember the the full context of the worst human being on the planet because clearly my ideas on that have moderated slightly, slightly, slightly. slightly. In that moment, I believed it. In the, I promise, I believed it in that moment. No, we know you did. We know you did. Okay, so is that debate? Is that not debate? Is that um, scholarship rule? Does it roll over, or after one year do you have to go back to thirteen? I would bet they expand it for the seniors this year. And then, because everyone redshirts, that up. throws a that throws a oh, kink yeah. into recruiting yeah, I bet, at I bet some point continuously, you know right? I, yeah. I bet they'll amend it as it goes, you know, and maybe do it as a team by team basis. Like if you were on the roster when we created this rule, you get to stick around, and then your senior year, the scholarships are off the books, or so you know something like that. Because um, that's essentially what they're doing is ignoring. Um, yeah, just. But you're ignoring this year, but you're adding a fifth class into a mix that's going to be there for four years in essence unless you leave early or something like that it just dawned on me as we were signing off that segment that this is not just a one-year yeah extension it's going to be at least a four-year extension if everyone because leo could play five years now mm-hmm. you know yeah. geronimo five years unless they leave early or or whatever uh you talk about getting old and staying old mm-hmm. archie drew that you know i don't you don't draw this up but I wonder. Do, do you think anybody will redshirt off this group? No, not if, not if we so. only have not, eleven players. Yeah, I don't. I can't see it. I mean, yeah, I don't know. I my guess would be no, because again, only eleven players, and you know, like I to me, like Leal would be the guy probably to redshirt, but you know, he brings shooting that might be useful. So I was going to say that Jared, each person brings something unique in that freshman class. Yeah, that could, yeah. Oh, they're know, very not, different. Not used every game, yeah. but maybe this yeah. game it's a Trey Galloway game. This ga- game it's an Anthony Leo game. Uh, and I think those are assets that would be nice to use as long as you communicate that to your players that you may not play for two games, but we play a zone team. Leo, you better be ready to to go or or yeah, you know. And Archie's no, not going to redshirt one of his best defenders, so Galloway's not no. getting redshirted. Yeah, and no. Geronimo's what I, what one of I, the best athletes. So I said, right. I think it was last week. I said maybe it was in the chat. I don't know if I said it on the air or in the chat, where I said, "Dude, I just want for one stretch because you can play a couple games and still redshirt." Now that's the rule. It's it's not like it used to be where if you played at all, you can redshirt. It's some it's a percentage of games or whatever it is. And in football, you can play four games at any time during the year and still redshirt. So um, if you, you redshirt, do you get six years? <laughs> Otherwise, know, it, like someone, it's, someone, gonna go, that, we're going to go down a rabbit yeah. hole where you might as well play them all because it's gonna, a red shirt year anyway for everyone. We're going to go down a rabbit hole shirted. where suddenly Anthony Leal can be on campus for ten years. Like it's it, you know if you just add all these bring things. it. But but I said at one point I would love at some point maybe during early season to see all the freshmen on the floor at the same time and just have just let them. Yeah, run. I remember that. Don't run offense. Just run. Just just just, just get, do the AAU thing. Just. No, because those Ryan, guys they, know each other so well. Absolutely, TJD and is the fifth one. You know, just, 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 just. We've run. talked about that at the high just school five level, having a, having a two minute squad where all you do is go press and helter skelter, trap all over the place, run and shoot. You give me two of the hardest minutes uh, yeah. in the game. We'll put pick it in the second quarter whenever we need that juice. Yeah, you go just crazy. Foul. Leo do whatever on you the want, wing, Geronimo on another. You get Galloway cutting back door just and fire you away. Lander just running the point. Like, <laughs> come on, come on. That would be so fun. Just run a simple pick and roll, and everybody else goes to a wing. I mean, 
I see Megan is in the chat mob. I'm here. Yeah. What is it? 2012 again? Seriously. <laughs> Man. Back to the future. <laughs> All right. Let's uh let's get into this and let's talk the transfer rule real quick. Real quick, and then we'll get into media day stuff. The tobacco industry's menthol targeting is straight up racist. And not that watered down type of racist. What do they call it? Unconscious bias? No. Not unconscious intentional. I mean that flooding our communities with ads, killing us by the thousands, and laughing all the way to the bank type of racist. They are literally killing us. This ends now at wearenotprofit.org. Sticky notes, email alerts, a string around your finger. They're just not big enough. So here's a big reminder from the California Lottery. The Mega Millions jackpot is over $250 million. Play now. Please play responsibly. Must be 18 years or older to purchase player five. Hey, guys. It's Gene Steratore, CBS officiating analyst and retired Big Ten basketball official. You know I have never listened to the assembly call, and to be honest, I don't intend to. But if you listen, make sure you ignore anything Ryan says about officiating. He's really good from the seat of his pants, but I wouldn't trust him on the court with a whistle around his neck. Time has proven him wrong on virtually everything. Take care. We'll talk soon. That will never not be funny. (laughs) Welcome back to the Assembly Call. You can find all of our content at our website, assemblycall.com. And if you ever want to join the chat mob, chat mobbers, during our unedited live broadcast or watch those replays and see all the between segment banner, then check out our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash assemblycall. I'm Jared Morris. I'm here with Coach Brian Tonsoni and Ryan Phillips. And guys, let's uh, go back and pick up one more rule change before we dive into talking about the Media Day stuff, and that is the transfer rule. So this is going to be voted on in January. It is expected to go into effect August 1st, 2020. Um, that uh, players will basically allow be allowed one transfer where they don't have to sit out a year. And there are some different stipulations about when you have to notify coaches by, you have to be in good academic standing when you transfer. If you take this opportunity to transfer without sitting out, then you can't grad transfer later. So there's some different stipulations on it. But essentially what we've been talking about, you know, you want to transfer, you know, Demise Anderson's transferring to, to Loyola, he can play immediately. You don't have to get a waiver, none of that stuff. You can just play. I think from previous conversations, we are all... We're all, you know, we support uh, this rule change, but obviously it's going to have some some effects. Uh, so, Coach, as you look at this, positives and negatives of this rule change likely going into effect. Well, well, positives. These rules should be for the student athletes, uh, and we've gotten too far away from taking care of the student athletes with the amount of money and exposure and all the decisions that are made uh, in in the NCAA athletics. So any rule that helps the student athlete. And, you know, if a student is goes to a college and doesn't like it, they can transfer to a college as long as they're accepted. But a basketball player, a football player, they have to, you know, they have to sit out. Uh, so I think it's good for the student athletes. Honestly, though, there are some problems, and I think it's more for your smaller conferences uh, where, where their best players might get poached and they don't have to go and sit out a year you get a, a someone in the Missouri Valley or even a smaller conference who really busts out as a freshman and sophomore that coach really worked hard to recruit that young man and build that young man in a program and there's not that uh, that one year sit out uh, that helps him keep that player uh, that that is going to be 
something that, you know, coaches are just going to have to adjust and, and build around that and really look at that and maybe sell that uh, as a reason to get some of those other types of players into the program at a, at a young age to those smaller programs. But that is a problem of player movement. And the other thing is, you know, not everyone's happy and, and you can't keep everyone happy as a coach. And the ease of transferring uh, in this day and age just kind of makes that um, uh, a little a little problematic, but I think it's best overall. Ryan, your thoughts on the rule change? Look, I am definitely pro player in all of these things. We've well established that. I think you are too, Jared and and coach. I, you know, whatever it's no, I'm just kidding, but it's, (laughs) but I think we're all very pro player. And I think that, that look, kids make mistakes. These are eight, 17, 18 year old kids. And they're making these decisions for the most part. And they make mistakes on where they go. And, and, they make mistakes with who they pick as a coach and they make mistakes on can they live that uh, a certain distance from home or too close to home or whatever. I think that we should allow people to make mistakes. And, and I think that um, we need to try this for a while. And if it turns out that it's just free agency in college sports and uh, you know, it's too much and it's, it's, it's not working and it's not uh, addressing the concerns it needs to address then maybe you reverse it, but I think this is the right move for now. And I don't think it will be a problem, but I think it's worth trying. And I think that you've seen a lot of kids get sold a bill of goods in recruiting, show up on campus and be treated differently than they were. And again, these are kids when they're making these decisions and they make wrong decisions and trust the wrong people a lot. And so I think that it's anything that makes it better for the kid in my opinion, considering how many people are making money off of them, how many people are using them to mer- to move to their next career move, how many of them are, yeah. we expect a kid to be committed to a school for four years or five years even, and coaches can leave whenever they want with no penalty. I mean, there's all of those things that I think need to be considered. A lot of kids will sign with the school for an assistant coach and assistant coaches change jobs all the time. There's different you know factors here. And I think that uh, we need to be willing to allow these kids to move more freely. Uh, it will also lead to coaches maybe treating them better and, and to schools treating them better because, hey, we want to keep this kid around. Let's treat him like he like we really need him and, and like you know we want him to be around. All right, let's talk media day. Uh, obviously, you know we don't get a lot of chances to hear from Archie, to hear from the players, and we did uh, this week. And a, a couple of things really stuck out. And, uh, you know, I want to get your guys' thoughts on this. You know, There was a lot of talk about more pick and rolls like a lot of talk about kind of the offense changing and it really sounds like more pick and rolls essentially you know as I heard it it was it sounded to me like obviously Trace is your best player Christian Lander is your most talented playmaker uh let's put in some offense that really kind of builds on and revolves around what those guys do the best and so, you know, you definitely heard that. And look, that's still going to help Rob. It's going to help Al. It's going to help everybody. You know, if you get a more dynamic offense, a more up-tempo offense, an offense that's playing with more more pick and roll with guys who can actually do it. And obviously that's a strength of what Christian brings to the table. And the other thing that really stood out is Archie talking about Jerome Hunter and how Jerome really looks like Jerome again. And it wasn't just Archie talking about Jerome, but also if you listen to what Jerome said, he talked about the coaching staff really trusting him more. You know, the last year, the coaching staff didn't trust him. And he, you know, and look, part of that, he was on a bit of a minutes restriction. I think part of that trust was not just Jerome as a player, but what his body could handle. And so while no one has said like, you know, Jerome is cleared to play 35 minutes a game or whatever, that does sound like he's kind of more ready to just take on a normal role and just be able to handle whatever he can handle. And in Archie's exact quote, I think, was Jerome is back to being Jerome. And if he is that dynamic, 
confident guy that we saw in high school and that we saw in flashes last year, it changes the entire complexion of this team. So again, talk on media day is cheap, but those two things really stood out to me. In addition to the culture stuff as things that really, when you look for reasons for optimism, uh, things that you can grasp onto. Uh, Coach, what what were the biggest uh, uh, items for you from media day? Uh, th- those those two uh, were easy to to find and, and catch, and then freak athlete. Yeah, you know, <laughs> it was mentioned several times about Geronimo. Uh, I, I'd rather hear freak athlete from his teammates and see you know the the Instagram videos or, or pictures of of what they've done in the weight room. But uh, no, I think the trust factor is is interesting too. It's it, you know when you get back to playing the way you are you are capable of playing, the coach is going to trust you more on game night. It's not a personality thing, uh, trust. It's just can you play at the level that we expect you to play? And, and it's hard for first-year players. It's hard for first-year players who are injured. But Jerome is a talent. Uh, and now to have him back. And the, the key thing for, for me, Jared, was he said that he loves he has the love of the game back. And when you're injured and, and you love the game and you can't participate for a year, and then you come back and your body doesn't allow you to do what your mind wants you to do, that can really eat at a high-level athlete. And if he's loving the game again, that means that everything's flowing and he'll get the best out of his ability. So I, I think that's pretty good. The offense is going to be fun. A little more downhill is what I'll say about the offense. We, we, ha- we can shoot a little bit, not great, but we have the post play. We missed a little downhill action, and maybe with Lander and the pick and roll, we can go downhill. So it was good media day for for a lot of reasons. Uh, but uh, I'm really excited about Hunter and think he'll be a big, big piece as long as he can defend. Uh, he'll be out there for 20, 25 minutes, I believe. Have you ever gotten the impression that Archie wants to play faster? Has he ever given you that impression <laughs> on during during games at all? Um, you know, the other thing that I would say, Ryan, that, that Archie mentioned is a real focus on turnovers. Um, and yeah. to me, this was, you know, this is really astute for a couple of reasons. You know, one, we've talked about how this team profiles to be a little bit less reliant on the offensive rebound than they were in right. two of Archie's first three seasons because they couldn't shoot and they had to just manufacture more opportunities. And offensive rebounding really did that when you're playing with three non-shooters, <laughs> you know, and you're missing a lot of shots, you know, you're, you need to get a lot of those offensive rebounds. So Indiana's not going to do that. So they've got to reduce turnovers to increase that shot volume. And coach, to your point, if you're going to play faster and you're going to entrust the offense a lot to a freshman, you know, who is reclassified, he's going to turn the ball over. You know, think back to what DJ Carton did in Bloomington last year. We turned the ball over seven times. Like Lander is going to be spectacular and he's going to struggle. Like freshmen do that. Freshmen who reclassified especially do that. I think it's perfectly fair to have high expectations for a guy that talented, but I think Archie understands that playing faster, you got to still play under control. And that's where I think Rob is going to be so important. Al is going to be so important, um, you know, in allowing Christian to be Christian, make mistakes and make spectacular plays. But I really think limiting that turnover number to me, that says Rob and Al, you guys have to really Can't take care it. of the ball because the freshman he Lander's going to turn it over. And if you're not going to be OK with that, then don't play him. Yeah. So I think you're going to be okay with that. So that really says to me that the other guys really have to focus on, and as juniors and seniors and captains, that's a fair expectation. They've really got to focus on taking care of the ball. Yeah, and I think that's true. And I think that that when you play faster, the tendency is you're going to turn the ball over more. The key is going to be you're not if you're if you're not going to get as many offensive rebounds as you said, which I think they'll get some. I, I think with Ray Thompson and 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 Trace Jackson Davis, they're going to do okay on the offensive glass. They won't dominate but they'll do okay. And you'll get those extra possessions. But the key is if you are playing faster and you're not getting as many extra possessions from offensive rebounds, you can't waste the ones you are getting with turnovers. And so 
high. I feel like we saw that for a few years. Yeah, and it was not fun. Um, another thing I'll say, and, and coach said something about playing downhill, and I, what I always taught was taught growing up. If you're taking a screen at the top or you're moving the ball side to side, you can't just go side to side. You have to at some point turn the corner and go towards the basket. You can't just go side to dribble, side to side, dribble, side to side, dribble, side to side. That's very easy to defend. Guys can switch or they can just play you horizontally. They don't have to worry about shuffling their feet backwards. We need guards who can turn the corner. Rob Finnessy at times has shown that when he turns the corner and gets into the into the lane, he can finish really well. Christian Lander's a guy who's going to turn the corner. Now, he might be hesitant as a freshman when he starts out because of the physical defending and the physical nature of the Big Ten, but he's going to be a guy who can turn the corner off a pick, uh, off a pick and roll and not sort of wander out on the perimeter. Once these guys start going north and south, once they start turning the corner off of that, getting it off the wing and dribbling instead of just going flat, and once they turn the corner uphill or downhill, this this offense could be scary because of the athletes surrounding them. And, and, and the Al got back to doing it in the second half he of did. last year too. Al, it clicked with Al, and at times you saw it click with Finnessy, where he would get it and see the lane. And the you know it's kind of a thing when you're doing it, and and I having played, I remember this is that when you see that lane open up. It looks like a highway, you know, to the hoop. It, it feels even, it could be a foot wide, but it feels like a highway and you just start funneling in there. And then when it closes off, you know, that means somebody has come to help, which means somebody's open and, and you're able to, to move the ball. And so I, I just think that that's the key is this team finding guys who can turn the corner. Al did it last year. You're right. Will he be consistent this year? Rob Finnessy, when he's done it, has been really successful for Indiana and Christian Lander, you watch his, his high school film. That's what he does is he gets the ball moving north and south. And so it, that's going to be a big factor for these guys is, is when they start turning that corner. And, and if this team can turn the corner, it's going to open up a lot of things offensively. And the guard-oriented offense, Jared, speaks to your turnovers. Yep. Um, you know, we had guys that played the shooting guard and the small forward 22 minutes and 30 minutes that have left the program and they had 91 assists to 102 turnovers that have left the program. It's not good um, coach. Not, not good. good. And, but, but you also had Durham who, uh, um, and Finnessy whose turnovers were too high last year, but they had assists. They had, you know, Durham 80 assists and Finnessy 93. So their assist to turnover ratio wasn't horrible, but that is absolutely got to be a key. No matter what you do downhill, pick and roll faster pace, those guys got to get better, as you said, to cover for that freshman point guard who is. But playing guards is going to that really can handle the basketball and make decisions is going to bring that down automatically. And I think that's a little bit, you know, coach isn't going to come say we're better off because these three players came in and these three players left. But coach will hint where he thinks he's better, and I think he's better because he has more guards that can handle the basketball, and he veiled that in turnovers. Uh, and I think that that was a good point to bring up. And Armand, I was really impressed with his interview. And, and he said he wanted to bring that downhill mentality. Someone asked what you yep. could bring to this team. He said, get into the basket. Uh, and, and I really think the more I'm thinking about this team, the more I think Armand's going to come in and, and move from the 12, 13 minutes to 20 and really be able to be that that tough defender that that want, he never shied away from a shot, took some bad ones, but never shied away. And he was aggressive on the break. He got out faster than Finnessy at sometimes, and he didn't shy away from going downhill either. Um Boy, if he can make that leap, that's a big if, 
till the games. Talk is cheap, as you said. But Armand, watch for Armand to uh, to really be a key to Indiana's success. Even if he doesn't make a leap, if he takes a step, he's going to be a right. really useful right. player because of what he can do defensively. Like he helps you make up for the loss of Justin Smith defensively because he's versatile. Now he's not as big, but he can take on some different defensive matchups that if you're playing a three guard lineup, you might need that versatility. The other thing I will mention about Al is you know he had a really high free throw rate as a freshman because he was very aggressive. Obviously, last year he was second in the Big Ten. He really was going downhill getting to the basket. It really dropped off as a freshman. And the reason why is, obviously, the entire offense was running through Romeo, and Al was very deferential. You mean as a sophomore, right? I'm sorry, yes, as a sophomore. Yeah. So that will be interesting to me now as a senior and a guy who's been around the block and who really showed confidence in his offensive game and his coach showed confidence in him now you throw a guy like Lander into the mix when they are on the floor together. You know, is everything running through Lander? Is Al kind of more deferential? Or is he going to pick his spots and still play his game? And I obviously hope the answer is the latter because I think he proved to be a very capable, versatile offensive player uh, last year. That's why my new nickname for Al is Honorable Mention Al because he's going to be Honorable Mention All Big Ten this year. Uh, I'm just throwing that out there right now. No, but Put it I, tell on the board. You, I tell you, you know, I was thinking earlier today, man, no one falls in love with the narrative of a senior guard like Jared Morris, do they? Every single year. <laughs> but you know what? You know what? And I'm not going to apologize for that. You give me four years and I'm going to have your back as a senior. That's all I'm going to say. Well, also, Jared, I, I'm, you know, he's really impressing too because he wasn't that recruited by Archie and he's the only one left yeah. and he stuck it out and he's been a captain for two years and his game has improved in many areas. You know, yes, he struggles defensively and, and I don't think he's going to be a real go to guy. If he if he's the go to guy, Indiana's going to be a little bit in trouble. But he's a good no. second third option, uh, and he's really worked hard to buy into what Archie has done. And and you got to give credit um, to him uh, for for sticking with it and, and being a leader and being a big part of this team. So I, I'm really looking forward to him this year as well. I mean, he's your best shooter, and he's the, yeah. the ball handler who's proven he can get to the line. So I mean, he he brings a lot to the table. Is what I mean. Now, you know, I look at him as a role player. But I think with what Trace can do and the attention that Lander is going to bring and how he's going to be able – the offense is just going to be more kinetic when Lander's on the court. That's all going to help Al. You know? And I think he's going to be the beneficiary. That's why I think he's your most likely bet to be the second-leading scorer on the team, just by minutes, shots, ability to make shots, all those things. Um, so, But I, wanna, I hope that we don't see a reversion to what we saw as a sophomore. You know, I hope he stays aggressive, picks his spots, and is that same guy. The last thing I want to say about Media Day, Ryan, uh, pretty clear Trace Jackson Davis has been listening to the show and has stealing your material because he talked about you know, how, well, <laughs> how well he and Race Thompson uh, play together. Um, you know, just how they move and how they're, you know, almost interchangeable parts, I think might have been a, a, a phrase that he used or somebody used. Um, and I know that I necessarily well, they can that, switch, but too. they do, but they do certainly play very well together. And I think when you have those guys and three guards, boy, Indiana is going to be able to play fast and really do a lot of things. And I think it was the second game last year I came on here and said, Trace and Race might be our two best post players and that our best and definitely our best, our best post combo. Now, obviously, Race had to build up and get used to playing. And then he got hurt and they had to get back, you know, all of that. But when those two guys are on the floor, there's an understanding there. And I'd even throw Jerome Hunter in there at times too. When those three guys were on the floor, I thought we played our best basketball when they were on the floor together. And the reason why they're athletic, they're versatile. You see switching, you see guys, you see all three guys pick up for each other on both ends of the floor. And you see them have an understanding together and they're all big. They're all athletic. They all have wingspans, you know, all of that stuff. Um, but yeah, Trace and Race, man, I was begging for it from the beginning of the season. And when we did get to see it, especially later in the year, 
they played very good basketball together. And I think race is a guy. It's interesting. If trace doesn't want to guard centers, we saw race step up and guard centers last year. He's only what six, eight. And we saw him guarding centers really well last year. Uh, you know, veteran starting centers in the big 10. How'd that work out for you, Ethan Happ? I mean, seriously, because he's active, he moves his feet. He is willing to muscle guys and he's even bigger this year, but he's, he's willing to use his lower half to sort of muscle guys off the block and, and just not get beaten by pump fakes. And, you know, you have to go over him. You're not going to go around him. And and so he's difficult. And then guess what? You miss the shot. He's going to rebound it. He was a Hoover last year on defensive rebounding. Um, So I, I think that, those two guys playing together gave us some of our best basketball last year. I think it's going to be even better this year, obviously, as they've both improved. But yeah, that's that's our best post combo moving forward. I mean, I'm sorry, Joey Brunk, but it's just so much better. And the other thing that was better was the hedging at the top with both of those guys. Trace got better as the year went on, and Race was always good at it He because he had the speed and the size to recover. Uh, and so, yeah, I would agree with, with Trace. I just think that that is a combination that this team needs to see a lot of this year. Yep. Okay. Coming up in our third segment, we are going to answer your questions. We got one about freshman minutes, uh, plus kind of a fun one about the best platoon lineups that we can put together, uh, and a couple of other ones. Fun questions. Stick with us here on the assembly call. We'll be right back. Okay, so here is here's something we can kind of kick around here in the between segment stuff. What do you think is going to be Joey Brunk's role on this team? You know, I was thinking about that as I was kind of watching the media day stuff because all this stuff we're talking about, he's kind of the guy that gets left out, and he's a captain. You know, I've my assumption all along has been that he's going to start just because I think Archie's going to be hard pressed to change senior but, leader. Yeah, yeah, but you know, the more I think about it now, the way that they're talking, it's a lot easier to change the starting lineup before a season than during a season. You know, so if he's going to change it, it would be now. And a lot of things point to that potentially, you know, potentially being the case. Now, maybe not. You know, maybe he'll want to start him, you know, alongside Trace so he can take that tougher defensive assignment early in the game, keep Trace fresh, all those things. But boy, you know, and, and look, we all appreciate what Joey brings to the table. Indiana doesn't win the Connecticut game last year without Joey. I think the Minnesota game at home, you know, like there were, he is going to, Joey Bronk will be the reason Indiana wins three or four games this year. He's that kind of guy, but I just think him playing maybe more spot minutes or just it being more matchup dependent, I think is going to be better for this team. But it's or coming be in when traces off the floor, that kind of stuff, so you don't yeah. have, to have them both in there. <laughs> you know, you know, it's funny. Have you guys watched Ted Lasso? No, haven't checked yet. it out yet. I've seen some it's, clips, but it's it's phenomenal. And so for anybody says. for anybody who's watched it, like there there's one scene where Ted Lasso, like, he really doesn't want to bench his aging captain. You know, Coach, you were going to love this show. Just like, it's it's <laughs> yeah. such a coach's show. Where, where, where is it? It's, well, on, on it's on Apple+. Plus. You will gonna, likely it, move over to Amazon at some point. Yeah, but it, it's yeah. such a coach's show. But, you know, it really got me... Th- you know, and he the reason he didn't want to do it is just what that would mean for the locker room and what that would mean for this guy and his pride. And you, you don't want to lose this guy. You know, and I won't give away, like, what ended up happening, but... I just I, I thought about Joey Brunk in that in that situation. How last year we all thought, man, it's so obvious, you know, like get Joey out, put the other guy in, and yet this is where all those things inside the locker room and the chemistry of a group and leadership and what guys mean. It's so hard for us fans to understand that, you know. That's why sometimes second guessing those decisions, it's kind of you know we can second guess it all we want because we're fans and talk is cheap and we're just you know on here blabbering about. 
But there are reasons why coaches don't do that stuff. And I'm going to be interested to see what happens with that. You know, because well, I think if you start him at the start of the year, it may be hard to change that later on. Um, interesting comparison. How that works. Interesting comparison here is that all year for the Lakers, they started a five next to Anthony Davis because Anthony Davis during the regular season didn't want to play center. And during the playoffs, he was like, I'll play center all you want. But during the year, he didn't want to carry that load and have to face centers every night. So they started JaVale McGee or Dwight Howard next to him all year. And those guys would play like 12 minutes a night, but they would start the game on the opposing center. And then as the game went along, they'd kind of shuffle them to the side. They start both halves and then occasionally come in if they needed some rebounding punch during yeah. the playoffs, they did the same thing, but then they started phasing that out. And, and in the finals, they started a true stretch four next to Anthony Davis, a couple nights because yeah. it just didn't fit what they were doing. I got to give Frank Vogel, the Lakers coach credit for doing that because you've got to sometimes change what you're doing based on the matchup and against the heat with all those shooters spread all over the floor. It didn't make sense to have a, a, a you know, a, 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 a true center in there against the, uh, the rockets with all those jump shooters, they had oh. to start not playing as starting a center because you don't want to start the game off down 12, nothing because your center can't go out on the floor and can't guard on the floor and gets lost in switches. I think that's the way Archie has to be. Yeah, in some games, it's going to make sense. I don't like the idea of you have to run the same starting lineup out there every single game. I hate that idea. I've always hated that. I I know it's a guy's pride, but you know what? You need to tell guys before the season, hey, guess what? Starting lineup's going to be dynamic. It's going to be based on matchups, not the way you're playing. Yes, that needs to be the standard. If you just pull the rug in the midseason, then it's a bigger deal. So Joey, yeah. if you're playing it, if we're playing, for example, I'm just throwing a team out there, Penn State, and they have a six foot six center who can go out on the floor and shoot. You're not going to start that game, buddy. I'm sorry. Like it's it's not about the way you're playing or who you are. Yeah. We have a dynamic starting lineup based on matchups. Teams that do that are the teams that are smart. And and it, and again, I know starting lineup doesn't matter. It's who plays the most and who finishes the game, in my opinion. But at the same time, if you let a team get up ten on you early because you have a bad lineup on the floor just to make a guy feel like his pride is intact and you lose the game by five and you gave up a huge run at the beginning. That's your fault. Like that's the line. We've talked about this for two years. No, I I agree. I would much rather have a dynamic starting. We had a coach who did that once. Who did that? Was it Knight? Yeah. Okay. I don't, I don't, I wasn't the fan back then. Remember? You got to assume I don't know all the history. I watched Indiana, but I didn't. Ryan, the part that that is the biggest thing that you said for coaches is communication. You're going to have to communicate your your philosophy from the start. Early. Have communications with your players so they trust you and know you that when you come to them and say you're either going to make a change or you're going to do something, they're not going to like it. But deep down inside, they know who you are and your program first type of guy. Uh, if you just surprise them or act in anger or, or anything like that, that's when you can lose someone who, who has been a good component. I, I, I just think if you're going to play and talk up a new style, a pace and pick and roll, then you've got to select your five best guys that fit to that get style. started the first half and get started the second half. And it could change game to game and matchup. I'm not. I'm not saying that, but you can't, um, I mean, it's his fourth year. He's going to have to win. You you can protect uh, a good senior worker, but if you're going to lose games doing that, you, you won't be around to protect the next senior uh, worker. You're going to have, you, you get paid to win games. Uh, that's what it is in college. You get paid to win uh, and, and you're going to have to make tough decisions. And, and while I understand and guess what? that, hey, I'll say this. If Joey's a senior leader, he'll understand. 
Absolutely. And you just got to communicate. And you look at his minutes. He he averaged 18 or 19 last year. So it wasn't like you could say to him, you're still going to get your 18 to 19. But then from a strategic point, you can put him in and, and give TJD a break. Or if you have a matchup against a, a second unit from someone where you can go two bigs and pound it inside and use Joey's, I mean, you can now pick and choose where he's going to be more successful. Or yeah. a team doesn't run as many pick and rolls from the six-minute mark to the 10-minute mark. That's where Joey can go in and defend a little bit better. Now his minutes become more productive, but you're going to have to communicate that. I That's what I would lean. Again, we're not in a gym. We say that all the time. But it also then depends on, is race okay with start? Is he a guy that'll be okay pressurized, or is he better coming off the bench? There's a lot of dynamics in into that, but I'm leaning, you know, obviously get your best players on the floor as fast as you possibly can and make adjustments after. Yeah, and may, maybe, it'd be, you know, look, Joey's a really good offensive player, and maybe him feasting for a couple minutes at a time on backup big men, that can be a nice yeah. little offensive punch for you, you know? So, but... Yeah, everybody watched Ted Lasso. I didn't know what to think about that show, but I saw so many people saying it was great. Heather and I watched it. It's like it's the most that we've laughed like out loud at a sitcom since I can't remember. I, I don't even remember when. We were so sad uh, when the season was over. Like, what are we going to watch now? It's really yeah. good. Yeah. Well, they've renewed two a- seasons two and three, so you're getting three good. at least. But I will say that when they did, they got me. I don't have Apple TV Plus, but I'll have to you know get it when it comes out on you know, for download. Um, on, I'm sure they'll put it on Amazon or something like that. We got like a free year with Verizon or something. So you may yeah. want to, know, I'll, I'll look, check. but, yeah. but, um, I will say the, the, the time that they did <laughs> the, the Allen Iverson practice speech, they worked that in there without mentioning it. They yeah. just worked that in there and somebody put together online the, the like overlay of like the two speeches and it was amazing it was yeah. unbelievable so, you know what's funny about that is we're watching that and heather's kind of confused because it didn't like it didn't fit it didn't yeah. quite fit like the scene and the so message I, I is that ted lasso's watched that speech <laughs> yeah. and then decided to deploy it on his guy and not say anything about it like that's the best part is they didn't later mention hey coach was that the alan Iver-? they didn't say anything about it they just yeah inserted it and expected the viewer to be smart enough to know what yeah. was going on. And I like, uh, I, I like shows that don't take that, like allow their viewers to be smart and don't like, don't explain all the what jokes. they're doing. Yeah. Yeah. I, I showed so. it to her afterwards and then she got it and thought it was funny. Yeah. Um, and it was like word for, it was almost word for word too. Joseph's in here saying that he loves the beard. Joseph is lying to you, Ryan. Yeah, He's lying. I know. I, I'm not lying. I'm not lying to myself. I don't like it. I want to get rid of it. It's the hair that's the problem. Oh man! <clears throat> oh, How are the Lions going to do this week, Coach? It's not backwards, and I don't have a pen. It's not. I'm not. I'm. I am way more confident. Okay, but put it put it backwards for just a second, so everybody can see what I saw when I signed in, because it's definitely because it's not. It's and not the sweatshirt beard. It's Matt not, hold and it's wide too. The beard gets wide and fluffy like yes, Patricia. It does. <laughs> I have a pen somewhere. Okay. Let's hop go. into this. Let's do go. this. There you go. There you go. <laughs> there you go. Matt Patricia. Matt oh, Patricia. Go, go Braves. Go Braves. Sticky notes, email alerts, a string around your finger. They're just not big enough. So here's a big reminder from the California Lottery. The Mega Millions jackpot is over $250 million. Play now. Please play responsibly. Must be 18 years or older to purchase player five. Sticky notes, email alerts, a string around your finger. They're just not big enough. So here's a big reminder from the California Lottery. The Mega Millions jackpot is over $250 million. 
Play now. Please play responsibly. Must be 18 years or older to purchase player five. This is Ethan Happ, and I never listen to the assembly call, especially the episodes that Ryan is on. All right. I'm Jared Morris. Here with the coach Brian Tonsoni and Ryan Phillips, you're listening to the Assembly Call. Remember that you need to be subscribed to our email newsletter. We send out a weekly IU News Roundup, even during the offseason. And after every game, we send out a detailed postgame analysis. Just text IU to 66866 or go to assemblycall.com. That's IU to 66866 or go to assemblycall.com. It's time now, gentlemen, for the mailbag. All questions were submitted via our private IU basketball discussion community, which you can learn more about at assemblycall.com slash community, uh, or got one from Twitter. Uh, and also, I submitted my own question this week, um, and that question is this. Let's say, hypothetically, that Luca Garza stays for a fifth year and then were to break Calvert Chaney's all-time Big Ten scoring record. Does it count? Would it count? According to the NCAA, yes. So I, sadly, Jared... I would not consider it counting, but uh, apparently the Big Ten and the NCAA would. But guess what? He's not staying. I know. Luca Garza is not a pimple on Calvert's backside. (laughs) Wow. Wow. Shots fired. Done. That's the the drop of the year, and the season hasn't even started yet. (laughs) Luca Garza didn't take shrapnel. He got the whole bomb right there. Wow. All right. That I had like a whole kind of detailed answer I was going to give, but we're stopping with coaches. That is the answer because you are absolutely right, coach. Okay. Uh, okay. This question from Joel, not including Christian Lander, will Indiana have a freshman averaging more than five minutes playing time this upcoming season? What do you yes. think? Okay. I don't know who, but yes, definitely. You think there will be one? That's Trey if Galloway, Anthony Leal, or Jordan Geronimo. Yeah, one of those guys will step up and, and fill a role. I mean, Geronimo's the biggest question mark because we just don't know how developed he's going to be when he steps on campus, you know, when he stepped on campus and, and when he gets to playing. Um, I think that I don't think there'll be a red shirt for many of them, but I, I who knows how much he's going to be able to impact the game other than being super athletic. I know he's got a jumper, but we'll see. Uh, Leal can knock down shots, we know, and, he, and he's a tough kid. And then Galloway can play defense and provide energy. I think those two guys are the most likely. And I think, but Geronimo could be the best of the bunch. You know, I mean, it, it, there's a big question mark with him, especially given the competition he faced in high school and all that stuff. I think he'll be fine long term, but how it's going to be as a freshman is a question mark. Lil and Galloway could easily average more than five minutes. It's going to be Galloway. Defense, yeah, I think so too. Defensive yeah. player. Yeah, that's what I think too. I don't know. If, did you guys uh, watch be, the, the clip of practice? There was like a minute long clip <clears throat> of the first practice. There's lots yeah. of stuff going on. All I saw was the floppy hair of Trey Galloway. Yeah. <laughs> Just was it like moving this, fast, Jared? doing was stuff. Was it like this? Mm-hmm. It, was, it was slightly more kempt than that. Okay. All, right. <laughs> all 11 players last year averaged over uh, eight minutes a game. Now, not all played every Wait, game. Demizi yeah. only played 18, but all 10 players played 27 or more games, including Deron Davis playing 31. I, I haven't heard Coach B committed to playing 11 like he was last year. He said uh, he was going to play 11, and he played it early, and then he cut back the rotation. Bit, so it de- yeah. depends on his rotation, how he's going to do that, and how many he's going to play. But even then, I think there's room, given a special night where Trey might play 10 or 11 and then not play 
a next game and that average comes out to five. So I would be I would expect everyone to average over five. It's yeah. the games played that you need to watch and what games they do play in as freshmen. And even if you average it out, if you wind up averaging out over all the games, so it's it's you know even if they mm-hmm. didn't play in that game, you give them the stat and divide it. I still think they're over five minutes. I think both of them are. I, I think that it's going to be very interesting to see what happens with this roster and how it shakes out and who gets paired with who on the floor and who those freshmen play best with and who they get paired with. Because, look, here's the thing. I'll tell you this, and I haven't felt like this in a long time about IU. There's 11 guys that I like on this team, that I like the way they play, and I feel confident with the way they play, and I feel like they could impact the game, whether it's you know making one big play or whether impacting it for five minutes solid. I, this is a team with 11 guys I really like. Now, we haven't seen the freshmen a ton, but just incoming, you look at them and you, you think, okay, they have, a, they have a discernible skill that can help this team. This guy, this guy, this guy, this guy, all have discernible skills that can help this team. I haven't felt like that in a long time with an IU roster. I feel like this year it's here. When we play Iowa, I want Archie to just tell Trey Galloway to just go shadow Jordan Bohannon for the entire game. Don't let him get the ball. If he gets it, you're 6'5", you're in his face. Don't let him shoot. All game. He All can game. handle it. He can handle it. Uh, okay, this is from Chad. He says, IU could have a very balanced roster to the degree that they could do a hockey-style line change in an A and B squad type of subbing, uh, with the caveat being that everyone lives up to their current expectations. Build your balanced A and B squads. Uh, so... Let's see. This obviously isn't going to happen. We're not going to do the platoon style thing that Kentucky did, but it was kind of fun to try and put together really balanced teams. So here's what I came up with. Curious to see what you guys, my team A is Lander, Armand Franklin, Jordan Geronimo, Race Thompson, and Trace Jackson Davis. Basically get your best athletes on one lineup and let them go. And then my other lineup would be Rob, Al, Trey, Anthony, Jerome, and Joey. A little more shooting, a little more skill. You're obviously not as athletic, but you try and make up for that with style, shot making, some of that stuff. And that second team is a little more savvy, too, I feel like. A little more veteran savvy on it with a shooter and then Jerome, who's kind of... Yeah. And and Trey. Yes, I couldn't figure out a better way to balance them than that. Yeah. But balance is the key part of that question, but throw throw Ryan's suggestion in and, and put the four the freshmen, freshmen out there with one of your post players and go havoc. You know, like the the old VCU stuff. Just go trap yeah. press, run, shoot for two or three minutes, just change the change the you know, the course of a game. That that would be that would be cool to see. Uh, last question here, fellas. This is from Blake. 2021 is looking to be a boom or bust year recruiting wise. Do you think IU can land a commitment from Aminu Muhammad, Trey Kaufman, and Mason Miller? Matt, I'm thinking maybe he meant or. Because yeah. <laughs> if we get all yep. three of those guys, that would be <laughs> pretty good. We'll shove the we'll shove those seniors the next year eligibility right out the door to get that. Yeah. Um no, I, I think they'll get one at least. Right. Um I, for sure. I don't know who. I don't you know, right now it and it, the thing is is that with kids not being allowed on campus right now or being allowed for officials and all that stuff and all the restrictions. You, there's no hints on, on what they're doing because usually actions speak louder than anything. If a kid's hanging out around campus all the time, even if he says he's that's not there, his leader, if he's hanging out on campus a lot, that's his leader. And 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 so actions speak louder than words. You can talk nice about a team all you want, but if you're that not happened with actively, Trace, like he was always on campus, always hanging yeah, out, you know. Yeah, and and he's not going so, to Iowa. So the problem, <laughs> the problem is there's no there's no hints on where they're going because there's no action, you know, and and. Um, so we'll see because every, every kid says, Oh, they're recruiting me hard. They're doing this. They're doing really well. They're doing, I love that coach. I love that. You hear that about every team that's recruiting them because they're not going to say anything negative. Uh, so I would say that, yeah, we, we don't know, but one of those guys, I feel like will end up a Hoosier. 
Coach, Ed Hopkins, twenty seconds. Ed Hopkins to that mix, and we we I think we get one uh, of those four. But if we get two of those four in any combination, that's really a big year uh, with Duncan coming in. So I think it's still looking good, and we're still competing for the top guys. I think Hopkins whether we get them or not, probably going to Kentucky. I would think. I mean, Kaufman is obviously the most likely. He's the one that you would right. expect. And then if you can get either Muhammad or, or Miller, those are two, you know, two really highly regarded players. So yeah, you got to get one of them. Like to avert disaster, you have to get one. If you get two of them, you'd feel really good uh, coming in there alongside Duncan. Okay, that's going to have to do it for us on this week's episode of the Assembly Call. If you want to see us do the show live, join us at assemblycall.com on Thursday nights for the live broadcast of our Assembly Call radio recording. And don't forget to go to assemblycall.com or text IU to 66866 to join our free email newsletter. Special thanks to Bob Thompson for producing most of the music that you hear on the show, and thank you for listening. We will talk to you again next Thursday night. Until then. Take it from me, native Hoosier Mark Titus. Keep your elbows in and your eyes on the rim. And go Hoosiers. Thanks, Mark. Thank everybody for coming out. All right, I got to get out of here, folks. Thank you. I don't like carrots. (laughs) All right. <clears throat> Good to be back. Good to be back. Feel like Jerome Good Hunter to have a little you bit. Back. You know, out for a while, just trying to trying to get my legs back under me, ready to shoot when I'm open, but a little rusty. You know, versatile. Yeah, versatile. The uh, Atlanta Braves, for everybody not watching, are now a five to one on the Dodgers, and Clayton Kershaw has exited the game. So yet another playoff meltdown for Clayton Kershaw. Let's give him a round of applause. Why has he been so bad in the playoffs? I don't know. Like, what is it? I don't. I think it's mental at this point. Yeah, it's got to be. Like, maybe just some some random chance at the beginning in a small sample size, and then it got in his head? Yeah, I would think that that maybe early in his career he melted down because it's later in the year. You've pitched a lot of innings, and maybe you're just a little worn out. Yeah. But I I did an article on it the other day about when he skipped that start, about how that's just more proof that he's unreliable in, in the postseason. And I get it's an injury, but you know it's it's added to the list of things that make him unreliable. And his ERA in closeout games is five point seven seven. It's the second worst of all time behind Tim Wakefield at six point seven five. And Wakefield was a soft tossing knuckleballer. Like you know, I mean, this is a guy who's so weird. an all all time great future Hall of Famer, easily first ballot future Hall of Famer, and he's just terrible. And and he gets worse by round. Like the his ERA is higher every round. And yeah, it's crazy. I don't know what it is. I don't know what the reason is, but it's now six to one. He's no Mark I Burley. He, he is I no think Mark he got Burley. marked with five of those runs, but I'm not sure it might be four. Hey, but. Tony LaRusse is coming to your White Sox, Jared. <laughs> is that is that is, are they just Jeez. interviewing him? Because I, I heard don't it know. Was, it I heard AJ. Oh, it's getting a lot of it's getting a lot of buzz. Serious. I heard AJ Hinch was the whole reason they fired Rick Renteria. So I don't they know. could get that to get that cheater in there. Or my 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 White Sox text thread with Alex and Rick Bozich. It's uh feels like it might be real. I heard it was Cora and and Hinch were the reason they I heard that Ventilla. too. And both guys massive cheaters. I think it would be a bad idea. But Just bring Ozzy back. Like if you if there's those a, are the options, bring Ozzy back. There's man. a lot of trash cans around um the you know Comiskey? guaranteed rate field, yeah, that they could use if Hinch shows up to increase the I hope batting not. average. I hope not. All right, there's guys. Be better options than that. Dinner is on the table, so I have to. What are we having? Yeah, what's for dinner? Uh, We're having shrimp, some leftover steak that my mom gave us, rice, and some salad. Nice. The cook is right over here. I will not show her on camera because she'll yell at me. (laughs) Fair enough. (laughs) (laughs) All right, guys. All right.
Tell Madeline uh, we said hi. Everybody listened and watched. Love you. We will yep. tell Matt. I will tell Matt. Thanks, chat mob. Yep. Thanks for being here. We'll see you guys all next week. Hopefully, we didn't like all right. blow all the news in one week, and that we have like nothing no, no to talk kidding. About There'll be no week. schedule. So, nothing. We'll, just, we'll have to. We'll keep breaking down the... player comments from media day. <laughs> you know. Yeah, you haven't been around for the last seven weeks when we've been like hurting for stuff. To talk <laughs> I know. About. I just swoop in on the week when there's swoop actually stuff in on to the talk big about. week. Yeah, I see how you are. <laughs> uh, actually, you know, we could start. We could do some Big Ten team previews. Just kind of go around the conference a little bit. Talk about some of the the teams. Why I was overrated. Everybody knows why I was uh, overrated. Yeah. Mm. All right. Well, All right, y'all have friend. a good we'll night. Coach, good to see you. Get better with your yep. with your affliction. Yeah, I'll be all right. I'm just old. <laughs> he I, it's tailgating. It's, no tailgating. It's not COVID, needs. by the way. It's a no, no, thing. it's pl- plantar fasciitis. <laughs> yeah, it's not COVID. <laughs> <laughs> knock on wood. Yeah, knock on wood. Exactly. All right, we'll see you. All right, see you guys. The news on flavored e-cigs talks a lot about the technology and teen use, but parents need to know more about the dangers of nicotine. So know this. One, nicotine is one of the most toxic of all poisons. Two, kids are more at risk for developing addiction. Three, a nicotine addiction can make it easier for kids to get addicted to other drugs. So even when it tastes like candy, nicotine is brain poison. Go to flavorshookkids.org for more. Sticky notes, email alerts, a string around your finger. They're just not big enough. So here's a big reminder from the California Lottery. The Mega Millions jackpot is over $250 million. Play now. Please play responsibly. Must be 18 years or older to purchase player five.